Caldale, the Scar's Hideout, one season before the departure of the fateful Lakewall Caravan. Who don't we steal from? Jal snarled. Whisper cowered, his face stung. The mages, the slate, he said. Who? Jal bellowed. The mages, the slate. And which did you steal from? Whisper shrunk down, his eyes on the ground. I didn't steal, Whisper said. Hot tears ran down his face. No, you did something worse. Freeing a consortium prisoner. What were you thinking? Whisper looked up. Jal's gaze seared into him, burning through hair, flesh, and blood, devouring his soul in an inferno. And there was a strange calmness to the fury. Get out of my sight, Jal said. Whisper ran. He thought often of the anger behind that calmness. The Web, six days after the departure of the fateful Lakewall Caravan. Whisper sat on the outskirts of the caravan, shielded by two carts and staring out into the woods. He held his wooden box. Sometimes he liked to open it and inspect its contents. But there was one item he'd avoided since gaining it. He now held it in his hand. A small metal medallion depicting a bird with ruby eyes. He sighed and clutched it in his fist. A baby bird floundered nearby. Whisper, concerned, crept closer, but Mother swooped in, chirping furiously and flapping its bright red and black wings. It stood, extending its wings over its child. It stared out at Whisper and the world defiantly. It would protect at any cost, and it made that clear. Whisper held up his hands, chuckled, and took a step back. Okay, Mama, okay, he said. I thought thieves were supposed to be tough. You're soft. Whisper turned, replacing his box into his robe. Talie's eyes followed it the entire way. You know, there's a lot riding on you, she said. Please tell me you're actually a good thief. Whisper grinned. I may be a softie, but I'm good. Prove it, Talie said. Whisper cocked an eyebrow and frowned. I don't need to prove anything, he said, brushing past Talie. A point to me, I guess, Talie said. Whisper turned, now brandishing Talie's sword leaf in his hand. Or is it? Okay, that's pretty good, Talie responded. Do you... do you trust her? Whisper asked quietly. I always trust a bird, Talie responded. No, Efair, it's just... we've only known her for a little while now, and we're... we're risking a lot for her. Talie paused and thought. Finally, she said, I don't trust anyone. I might start trusting you. If you trust Efair, I'll trust Efair. Should we do this? Whisper asked. Tilly shrugged. We've got to do something. The trip would be boring otherwise. She then disappeared back into the caravan. Whisper turned and took one last look at Mama and her baby. The baby bird chirped and was already resuming its attempt at flight. The mama ignored Whisper and focused on its little one, watching it prepare to fly off into the wide world. Whisper smiled and followed to Lee. Previously, as they worked together, to Lee, Whisper, and Efair grow closer. But the day of Efair's prophesied death draws near, as does our trio stealing from the slate. But much remains unanswered. 
To where has the Lady of the Rose fled? What is Granite's plot? Who is this profaned hunter in the third vault? And so we come close to the theft of books, the death of the seventh, and the day of the fateful Lakewall Caravan. Chapter 9. To Steal a Book. Reprise. The sun set in a beautiful purple and orange haze, silhouetting the ancient trees. The night was calm, a night for singing, dancing, and drinking. A night for stealing books. The plan was simple. Break in. Steal the books, read the books, put them back. Easy. Easy in concept, at least. The execution was not truly straightforward. For example, the break-in should have been the hardest task. It was not. The locks on the vaults are complex. Cracking them is considered nearly impossible. Unfortunately for the slate, nearly impossible, was taken as a challenge by some ambitious and less-than-honest members of the House of the Hammer. Commissioning a mage right to create the device they were using to break in had surely cost Ifair a small fortune, and Ifair had bought two. Whisper held one of these devices in the palm of his hand. They called it a lock trick. Beside it were two small dried purple flowers. The purple flowers were going to make what should have been the easiest part, possibly one of the hardest. Whisper put the items and the lock trick into his pocket and looked to where Tali hid. Stay, Tali signaled from her post. Ethera sat at a fire in the caravan tail, making herself visible, all the while using her powers to influence the area of the theft. Even now, Whisper could see mist and darkness slowly encroaching. It was subtle but it would obscure him for his task. Sound was also dampened. Tilly crouched near the rolling vaults. She was already known amongst the caravan wardens as a nuisance, but harmless. This was not part of the plan, just a happy coincidence. They were annoyed she was skulking about, but they were not suspicious as to why. Whisper was glad he'd taught her working signs. She would be his lookout. Go, 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 Tilly signaled. Whisper sprinted and hopped onto the back of one of the vaults. The darkness and mist shielded him. He was shocked by the intricate details that covered every inch of the rolling vault. They were perfectly engineered devices of beauty and containment. The vaults were always guarded, but it was more of a formality. Of all the outlandish stories Whisper had heard criminals tell, he'd never once heard one about breaking into a vault. This was telling, considering a majority of these stories were lies. And now here he was. 
Whisper brandished the lock trick. It was a smooth cylinder marbled by strands of pink and orange. There was a single silver button. The instructions were simple. Take it out, hold it up, press the button. But first, Whisper pulled out the two purple flowers. This part had confounded him. He'd gone in circles arguing with the fair, but she would not budge. He had to eat them. He knew this flower well. It was called Gloom Bloom by most, and it left you in a strange, lethargic, disoriented, and sedated state, accompanied by a pretty severe crash. He'd seen people fail to accomplish even basic tasks after having taken a single bloom, and he had to eat two. Efer had not had a good answer as to why he had to do this. She didn't seem sure herself. She simply said in her research she'd found that most slate consumed this flower before interacting with their vaults. And so here he stood, two blooms in hand. He took a deep breath and pushed the button on the lock trick. It sprang to life, clicking and whirring. The device split apart into dozens of tiny arms. Clockwork gears turned and whirred while the arms whizzed out. There were dull thuds inside the vault. Whisper assumed this was the sound of the locking mechanism being deactivated. The device slowed. Whisper popped the first gloom bloom into his mouth and chewed as he reached up to the door. Something didn't feel right. He pulled. It didn't budge. Oh, abyss, no. He pulled harder, but it remained fast. He began to panic when he noticed that two of the lock trick's tiny arms had tangled and seemed to strain against one another. He carefully detached them and the contraption whirred back to life. As it did, one of the tiny arms spun around and knocked the second bloom out of his hand. It went flying out into the dark. Whisper watched in shock. Then there was a click, and the door swung open. Whisper looked from the door to the void where the gloom bloom had disappeared. Did he have to go after it? Maybe? It was so hard to think. Ah, the abyss with Efer. She wanted him to take these blasted things, and they were only going to make his life harder. He grinned. He couldn't wait a second longer. He was about to tread where possibly no modern thief had tread before. Surely one bloom was good enough. He quietly slipped into the vault. The interior was meticulous. Carefully constructed shelves, drawers, and locked boxes lined the whole vault. Every item was wrapped in strange silver threads, each held firm by its own metal sigil. These devices were called deterrents, and they were a problem for tomorrow. A black lockbox and two books with blue covers and gold lettering marked Volume 1 and Volume 2 sat on a wooden table in the midst of the vault. Volume 1 had its deterrent removed. Whisper pulled out the list. The gloom bloom blurred his vision. There were seven items, three books, three maps, and the caravan manifest. Easy. His mind wandered. Hmm. Who'd opened that lockbox? Was the gold lettering real gold? No, no, stay focused. He read the list again. Three books, three maps, and the caravan manifest. He began his search. The maps were easy, being in a lockbox marked maps. He deposited them into his satchel. He quickly found the first two books, but the third required some searching. It was in another lockbox. And then there was the manifest. Where in the abyss was the manifest? Whisper searched and searched again. He searched behind shelves. He searched in lockboxes. Perhaps they were in the lockbox on the table? No. Hidden in a shelf? No. 
Maybe the books on the table? They couldn't be a manifest, could they? He picked up volume one of the blue and gold books. He opened the book. Whisper looked up and blinked. Abyss, how long had he been here? He looked down. He'd remembered opening to the first page and starting to read, but he was now well in the middle of the book. He stared at the page. It was both familiar and foreign. Words and numbers and patterns and mysteries and truths filled his mind, all shouting over one another in perfect harmony and flawless cacophony. He began flipping through the pages. What was in this book? What truths? What knowledge? Surely... That was Tali. That was the sign. Oh, Abyss, he needed to leave, and he needed to leave now. He slammed the book closed and scrambled for the door. He slipped out, closing the heavy metal door behind him. He stared at it. So complex. Who had built this? No, no time for that. Flee. He must flee. But he couldn't. He couldn't run. The door. So simple, yet so complex. He'd used the lock trick, but perhaps he could try his own hand at it. See if he could... Someone grabbed the back of his collar. That's definitely a point for me, Tilly said as she pulled him back. Whisper blinked. Once. Twice. Run. He had to run. Ifair's powers still shielded Tilly and Whisper as they slipped away into the darkness together. They darted through the woods, heading to the caravan tail. As they neared, they smelled delicious sizzling meats and heard music and laughter. They slipped slowly into the ring of lights. Like most nights, the tale was a buzz. Vendors had little stalls set up. Some had tapped kegs of ale, which flowed freely. The travelers milled about laughing, eating, singing, and fighting. Tilly and Whisper found a seat at a campfire. Whisper's chest was tight. His head spun. His breath was short. He sat, clutching his satchel of illicit books to his chest. They were coming for him. Even now, he'd taken too long. He'd ruined it all. He waited. But no one came. The gloom bloom began to wear off, and Whisper was able to think clearly again. Tilly watched the singers beside him. He touched the sack and felt seven items. Three books, three maps, and the caravan manifest. He grinned and tried to relax. He leaned back and listened to the minstrels with Tilly. A man and two women played a variety of instruments and sang in perfect harmony, their voices weaving in and out, picking up melodies where another dropped off. It was a thing of beauty. His mind did not rest on the music, though. It constantly drifted back to the books. He wanted to take them out and examine them right here, right now. He had to force himself not to take one out and read it right there. Now, of course, before opening them, he would need to take on one of the most challenging parts of all of this. Opening the books. The trio convened early the next day. Whisper was annoyed they did not immediately dive into attempting to open the books. They simply talked. He slowly came around and eventually found himself laughing along with Tali at a story Efer was telling. You didn't, he said, wiping his eye. I did, Ifair said, a small smirk on her face. I knew I understood it better than the professor, and what better way to demonstrate it than to light it on fire right there in the lecture hall. <laughs> but did they get mad? Tilly asked. Furious. Absolutely furious. I don't think I've ever seen Ricky Slar turn that red. It was Ricky Slar, Whisper said, jumping up and throwing his hands in the air at the reveal. 
The three laughed again and then eventually fell silent. With the silence returned Whisper's impulse to open the books. The plan was for the three of them to spend time in Ifair's carriage during the day's ride. Ifair assured them there were protections in place so the driver could not hear what they were up to. Everything went smoothly, Ifair asked. She addressed Tali and Whisper, but her eyes never moved from the satchel in Whisper's hand. You tell me, Whisper said, opening the bag and placing each of the items on the table. Three books, three maps, and the caravan manifest. As he set down the caravan manifest, his mind twitched. It was blue and gold. Efer picked up a book and looked it over. The silver deterrent twinkled in the sunlight. She looked over each item. She frowned. She looked at them again. Her frown deepened. And then Whisper started to remember. Everything had not gone smoothly. He'd forgotten. Recalling the events of the previous night was like trying to see a painting through a foggy window. Wait, he said quietly. The book in blue and gold. That wasn't the manifest. He hadn't been able to find the manifest. That was volume two of the book that had been sitting open and... Oh, abyss. He'd read one of the books and apparently grabbed the other in his haste. This book is not the manifest, Ifair said. There was a calmness in her eyes. Whisper's skin went cold. Strange, he said. It was in a drawer clearly labeled as manifest, so I just assumed. He lied. Ifair stared at him. He swore he could see that inferno building. His heart pounded. Should he admit his mistake now? Just get it over with? No. No. Does it matter what books we stole? Tilly asked, sounding bored. Did we need the manifest? If anything, this may have some secret info we did not know we needed. Yeah, Whisper said. Let's open the books. Ifair's eyes stayed on Whisper. Finally, she said, Yes, let us open the books. Relief washed over Whisper. I could take a crack at that, Tilly said. No, Whisper and Ifair said in unison. Whisper stepped forward and Ifair handed him one of the maps. His pulse was back to normal, but he felt lightheaded from the adrenaline. He turned the map over in his hands, tracing the thin silver lines of the deterrent. The metal sigil that held the threads in place was cool to the touch. Whisper had learned long ago that there was more to a deterrent than met the eye. The key tenet of them was, if I can't have this book, neither can you. It protected the book by making it useless to steal. Unless you removed the threads in a very specific way, the item they protected would be destroyed, often by flames. The simple version of this was achieved with a small cylinder of oil and a flint that would be triggered, but the good ones were more complex. Whisper had cracked some made by the House of the Hammer. They had been strange, and he'd required help from an expert, but he figured he could do it on his own now. He'd expected the church deterrents to be similar to the ones made by the House of the Hammer. They were very different. He looked up and saw Ifair looking at him expectantly. She had a hunger and excitement in her eyes. Whisper looked back down. They'd gotten this far, but but he'd never seen deterrence like this before. Ah, deep stone, he couldn't let her down. I, I need a minute, he said. He poured over the device, looking for any clues. The silver strands were tangled and confusing. He began to fear that moving even one might simply ignite the document. 
He realized he was sweating and set the document down. Anything? Ifair asked. He needs a moment, Talie said sternly. Whisper was glad he had Talie there with him. He picked up a different book. The patterns were totally different and just as confusing. Is there anything I can do? Ifair started. Whisper cut her off. Stop, okay, stop. He set the book down. I know you want to see what is in these books, but this takes time, okay? And normally I have access to a full workshop. Any tools you need. What I need is quiet, Whisper snapped. He looked at Ifair and she raised her eyebrows. A strange look was in her eyes. The hairs on his arms stood up. I'm sorry, it's just... You have money. You're a mage of the seventh bond. Talie's an orphan of the deep and I'm a street rat. The risk is not evenly distributed here. An awkward silence hung between the three. Ifair's lips tightened. Can I try? Talie asked. No, Ifair and Whisper said simultaneously. Ifair stood and nodded. Her hands seemed to shake. It's late. Let's adjourn. We will try again tomorrow. As they were leaving, Ifair put her hand on Whisper's shoulder. Whisper, she said. Everything did go according to plan, right? You followed what I asked when you broke in? Whisper looked up at Ifair's eyes. They were so calm, her lips drawn taut like a bowstring, threatening to snap. Yes, Whisper lied. Ifair nodded. Good night, Whisper, she said. He couldn't sleep. Those silver strands danced behind his eyes, binding tight the secret of the books. Silver lines. He jilted awake, gasping for breath. He dreamt his face was covered by silver strands, a sigil over his mouth. Ifair and Talie had attempted to remove it as he choked. He cradled his head in his hands. He walked in the cool night air, trying to distract himself. He was at Ifair's carriage. He didn't remember slipping past the wardens in the caravan head. He was so tired. Silver strands, golden blue. He stood outside her door. She was probably sound asleep. What would be the harm in trying? He couldn't sleep anyways. He was in Ifair's carriage. He fiddled with the silver strands. The moon moved across the night sky, and Ifair snored. A yell echoed outside the carriage. Ifair woke, her eyes shot open and locked with whispers. They were calm, and Whisper cowered. Deep stone. Why had he broken into her carriage? She held out her hand. Whisper felt like he was being bitten by a thousand ants, and he fell over, gasping. He realized what he must look like, his black hood up, crouching in her carriage as she slept. He just looked like another thief. Perhaps he was. It's me, he gasped. It's me. Ifair lowered her hand and rushed over to him. He avoided her eyes. I'm sorry, he said. I couldn't sleep. I just wanted to work. I, I thought... There was more yelling outside, this time more frantic. Whisper heard the sounds of wardens running past Ifair's carriage. Ifair stood. Her face was pale in the moonlight. She looked at Whisper and then stepped outside her carriage. Whisper followed. I saw it! I saw it! We're dead! We're all dead! Let me out of here or we'll be dead sooner! I can kill it! I can fight it! Oh, deep stone, they followed us here! Can you hear me? The wolf is in the woods! A sovereign, you cretins! You've drawn it here! 
A crowd had formed, even this late at night. The wardens attempted to disperse the people, but it was impossible. The yelling continued. That's the owl. Whisper jumped at Tilly's sudden appearance. Her face was pale. He's saying he saw a sovereign. Ifair's eyes widened. Did you say the owl? She asked. Tilly nodded. Ifair stared at the vault. Her hand began to tremble. Ifair? Tilly said, lightly touching the mage's arm. Ignore him, Ifair said, not looking away from the eldritch vault. Return to sleep. It'll stalk us to the edges of the oceans and beyond, you fools! You fools! The owl continued to yell. Should we be worried? Tilly asked. He's normally so quiet. Do you actually think he saw a sovereign? When I've talked to him, he's never seemed like a liar. Ifair slowly turned to Tilly. You've talked to him? Yes, when I was scouting the vaults. Did that seem wise? Ifair asked. Her voice shook. No, Tilly admitted. But he seemed lonely and angry. It was dumb to speak to a man called the Profane Hunter. I call him the Owl. Ifair turned and stormed away. Tilly chased after and Whisper was close behind. Wait, what's wrong? Tilly asked. Speak to him no more, Ifair growled. Why? Tilly asked, seeming hurt. Ifair turned. Do you know why they call him the Profaned Hunter? No, Tilly said. He worked for a wretched fellow in the Church of Deep Stone called the Cardinal of the Hunt. The position is antiquated from millennia ago when the sovereigns were much more bountiful. The Cardinal of the Hunt is charged with hunting the sovereigns. And as such, the Owl was charged with hunting the sovereigns. But you made it sound like there are no more sovereigns, Whisper said. That's not what he seems to say, Tilly said quietly. He's delusional, insane. I'm literally hunting for knowledge of the sovereigns, and even I know the man is a lunatic. That doesn't mean we need to hate him, Tilly said. Ifair's nostrils flared. If he was tasked with hunting the sovereigns, and there are none to be found, what do you think he hunted instead? The people with a connection to them. He hunted the gray eyes. He hunted us. He hunted us. He was our demise, our scourge, until he went crazy enough to kill his own master. Let him rot in that prison. Tali's face was white. I don't know. He seems... nice. We'll stay away from him, Whisper said. We'll just keep trying to open the books and... Ifair's eyes swiveled to Whisper, and he cowered. Whisper... Tomorrow, we need to talk. And then she was gone. At first, Whisper went to see Ifair as early as possible. He wanted to get it out of the way. If she was going to berate and yell at him, or worse, so be it. Let it be done. Then he could get back to finally opening those damn books. Those silver threads still plagued his thoughts. The sun has barely risen, Whisper, Ifair said sleepily, rubbing her eyes. Return when the caravan departs. But that day, the caravan did not depart. It seemed likely that the Owl's tirade the night before had spooked both the wardens and the travelers, and as such, a few parties were sent to investigate the surrounding area before departure. Whisper and Tilly spent much of the day together, talking and laughing, when they could. 
but Whisper's heart was not in it, which Tali pointed out often. He just wanted to open those books. Ifer was nowhere to be found during the day. Towards the evening, when it was clear that the caravan would not depart at all that day, Ifer found Whisper and Tali. She asked Whisper to walk with her. Where are you going? Tali asked. We will be in the tail for a while, Tali, near the vendors. Give us some privacy, Ifer said calmly. And they left. Ifer was quiet as they walked through the caravan. Eventually, they reached the vendor section. Stalls served dinner to the restless caravan travelers. Ifer seemed so at home, bartering with a vendor for a meal. She got both herself and Whisper something to eat, a delicious, flaky, but savory pastry with duck in it. They sat to the side and ate it. Well, Whisper tried to eat. His stomach was in knots. Tell me what you see here, Ifer said, licking her fingers. As a thief. Okay, Whisper said. I see three different cut purses, obviously working together. Unorganized, though. I see a man in black that is clearly guarding a smuggler's carriage. I see an old lady dressed in white robes that's been up to something this whole trip. A scam of some sort, I assume. And I see some of Granite's men. Ifer nodded. And these people, do they seem happy? Do they seem content? No, Whisper said. And do they seem like dishonest people? Yes, Whisper said. Do you think there is a connection between the two? Whisper frowned. You can't really lecture me about being honest, he said. Ifer sighed and looked up at the sky. Whisper, she said. You are with me now. If something happens, you must tell me. Whisper's heart pounded. He thought back to his lie. He thought of a new lie. He thought of a way to dig himself out of this but realized he would only dig himself deeper. He took a ragged breath and bowed his head. He couldn't look her in the eyes. I dropped one of the flowers. It felt like such a minor thing. So I went into the vault after having eaten only one. But I was so woozy even from just one, and I suddenly realized that a book was open, and I just took a peek, and I I read some. And then I stole the second volume, and, and, I, and I couldn't find the manifest. Everything didn't go exactly as planned, and I, and I lied, and I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter, does it? I did a good job. Those errors are, they're meaningless. We could just go back now, open the books we found. Ifera looked down, her face contorted. I failed, she whispered. I'm sorry, Whisper said. Ifera looked at him, a strange look in her eyes. You'd better come with me, she said. They returned to the carriage. Whisper ran over countless scenarios about what exactly would happen when they reached Ifer's carriage. Should he just run, or should he simply face the consequences? They arrived, and Ifer opened the door. She gasped. No, she said quietly. Tali knelt on the floor of Ifer's carriage, her face dark from soot, except for stark lines where tears had fallen. She held a pile of ash in her trembling hands, and in the midst, clear as day, was the glinting silver of a deterrent, its silver threads now detached and the item it had protected destroyed. I'm sorry, Tilly sobbed. I wanted to help. The lines made sense. I took them off. I opened the map. I read it, and then... And then... Whisper's head spun. They failed. 
one of the documents was destroyed, the whole point of the plan was returning all the items, and the map was gone. What had been on the map? He shook his head. It was so hard to think over Talese crying. They'd stolen from the slate, and now they were going to be caught. Efer stared down at Talese, her face white and her lips a thin line. She stepped forward. Whisper could see a calmness in her eyes and the grim look on her face. This time, Whisper would not cower. He drew his dagger and moved to block her. He was too slow. Efer's arms swept wide and her red cloak flared out. She swooped down and embraced Tali, hugging her tight. Tali wrapped her arms around Efer, her sooty hand leaving black splotches on the cloak. I'm sorry, Tali sobbed again. It's all right, Tali, Efer said. It was an accident. There's nothing to be done now. Efer stared out at the world defiantly. She held Tali tight, letting her know that she would be protected at any cost. One of Jal's rules flashed through Whisper's mind. Protect to be protected. It was funny that the first time he'd seen this embodied was in Efer. He no longer had to ask himself if he trusted this woman. He stepped forward and wrapped his arms around both of them. If I'd known more, we wouldn't be in this mess, he said. I'm sorry we put you in danger, Efer. Efer leaned back. She was also crying. She wiped tears from her eyes and gave a scoffing laugh. I am the one who should be apologizing. I failed you both. Of all my failures, this is the worst. She shook her head as she dug in her robes and retrieved a bundle of freshly picked tiny pink leaves. She handed it to Whisper. It took me longer than expected to find these today. Put some of this under your tongue and think of a favorite memory. Whisper did so without questioning. His heart calmed. His mind calmed. A part of him had never shut off since being in that vault. It was like a sound you grow accustomed to suddenly stopping and the void being disorienting. It was like a splinter stuck under the skin. It was like a song stuck in your head, but you don't know the melody. What in deep stone, Whisper said, dizzied by the realization. I should have trusted you with the whole truth, Efer said, shaking her head. I am unsure if it is a sort of defense mechanism or unintended consequence. Sometimes the knowledge of those books when they're in proximity with one another can take a hold on you and slowly drive you mad. The gloom bloom sedates the mind, numbs you to the call of knowledge. I had hoped two would keep you extra safe. But you read one of the books and it took its hold, driving your mind to desire more knowledge. I had my suspicion when you were acting strange, always asking for the books. The leaf is an old grey eyes remedy. I don't think even the slates know about it. Why, why didn't you tell me? Whisper asked. Efer gave a dark, dry chuckle. Because I'm a dishonest person. Her lesson from earlier suddenly took on a new meaning. Jal's rule came to mind again, and Whisper suddenly felt incredibly protective of Efer, to think that just today he'd feared her so much. Efer gasped. Tali, your hands, she said. Shining in the middle of Tali's palms were two large purple symbols. It was Odrosian text, sacrosanct. 
map bearer, Whisper read aloud. This is a problem, Ifair said grimly. We can get through this, Whisper said confidently, sitting back and looking at Tali and Ifair. We got into this. We can get out of this. Yeah, Tali said. Yeah. Ifair sat back and wiped her eyes. She shook her head and seemed to search for words. Allow me to start being, for once, an honest person, she said. In the prophecy of Morkotamelkil, it says I will die. We all die eventually, Tilly said dismissively. In six days' time. I'd hoped that those books might, I don't know, give me answers or a solution. Tilly's face went white. Whisper's stomach dissolved into his gut. We can get through this, Tilly said firmly. Marcota Melkil, the stars, they're nothing. They are a blanket in the night sky covering you and your family. Remember? You told us that. Ifair smiled. Yes, she said, looking out the window. Yes, they are. So, Tali said, say you aren't dying. I'm not dying, Ifair said. There, and as a newly professed honest person, you have to mean it. Ifair smiled. Whisper began to think of solutions. A replica of the map, perhaps? or somehow engineer a fire so that they would never know what had been lost. They all sat in silence as they thought. Tilly broke the silence. Well, it's late. We aren't going to solve this problem now. Having read one of the maps, I can say that there is a very interesting bridge close to here. Perhaps if the caravan doesn't move tomorrow, we all go to investigate. I mean, what else are we going to do? If we are going to be captured by the Church of Deepstone, we might as well have a day of fun beforehand. So, shall we go investigate an interesting bridge? Yes, Whisper Entelee said in unison. Thank you for listening. Everything you hear in this show is created by me, Adam Ganong. Every word written, every note played. If the work I am doing here has brought you some joy, some comfort, some entertainment, please consider supporting a solo creator on Patreon. Link to that is in the show notes down below. The Stone Singer Chronicles art is by Peter Bartel. Thank you, Peter. There is a link to his website in the show notes. A special thanks to my wife, Jenna Noor, and my friend, Destructobot. Join the Stonesinger Chronicles Discord to get extra information about the show and officially earn your rank as the Mage of the Third Bond. Again, link to that in the show notes down below. All right, and until next time. Knight stepped into the tent. He shuffled uncomfortably as he watched Shrian, Selud, and Roverin Yelm confer. 
My queen, the knight said. There's something, something... Not now, Trianne said dismissively. We have bigger problems. We're sitting ducks out here. The wilds are impossible to navigate, especially without any maps. Her hand shook as she placed it to her temple. We need a way to move our troops. I need this to crush granite! She slammed her fist down, shattering a goblet. The knight lowered his eyes. My lady, he said. Selud stepped forward and placed his hands on Trianne's shoulder. Yelm addressed the knight. What do you have to report? He asked. It would be easier to show you, the knight said, stepping outside the tent. Yelm stepped out of the tent and into the evening air of the ladies' camp in the wilds. Even in the fading sunlight, he could see from their vantage on this elevated plateau, a bridge where the lake wall caravan would normally travel was destroyed. Smoke rose from the rubble. What in deep stone? Yelm swore as he stared at the smoking gaps where the once great bridge had stood. Whoever did that, the knight said, has malicious intents for that caravan.